1: Amanda Hayes is the president of A.K.H. Financial Corp. at 4536 Clyde Morris in Port Orange. Call 386-846-0658. Securities and investment services are offered through Sage Point Financial, member of FINRA, SIPC. A.K.H. Financial and SagePoint Point are independently operated. And Amanda joins us live today in studio on WNDB. Hi, Miss Amanda. How are you?
2: Hi, Mark. I'm doing oh, good. <laughs> good.
1: I, I shudder to think even what the markets did how did we close given last night's day of the union?
2: Oh, we were in the green for sure. Wow. It was uh, quite the action packed week this week. So we had a strong opening in the markets this morning and then the rally faded a bit and then it reversed back up into the green into the close across the board and S&P hit a new high so I can get back on my Thursday good luck chart topping uh, appearance series that I was. Yeah. On, that's good. <laughs>
1: it was like every week for 13 weeks or something. For, it? for
2: like eight or nine. Yeah. So yeah except for last week. Uh, yeah. But But I'm back on. So that's good. So <laughs> this week we heard from the Fed. Powell spoke. Obviously, President Biden spoke last night. So a ton of earnings were out this week. And then for the next few weeks, there's more to come. So GDP came out this morning. That was good. Consumer confidence is high. There's just a lot of very good news out there. And New York City just announced that you can sit inside in bars starting again on Monday. Whoa. They also De Blasio said that 100% reopening by July 1st for New York City.
1: Meanwhile, the people are are getting like oxygen that are on Broadway because they've been totally shut down for so long.
2: Oh, yes, yes. Well, you can you can start practicing how to smile with your teeth again. <laughs> so that'll be nice. The the CDC also did an update and they said that the mask wearing guidance is from mostly always wearing a mask to mostly just inside wear a mask. So people are getting vaccinated, you're getting that herd immunity. And plus all the research that's coming out now on COVID and we've just come a long way from the the past year when nobody really knew what was going on. And I even heard today that some hospitals are lifting the restrictions on visitation for patients um, and for visitors starting uh, as early as tomorrow.
1: Oh, that's good. Did did I hear correctly? The GDP for the year, there somebody said six point four. Does that sound right?
2: Six point four for the quarter. Yeah, they. Um,
1: that's huge, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't that considered robust if it's over four?
2: Uh, yeah, it's a little uh, you know artificial though. So remember, yeah, you're looking the... at the the reopening and you know just the just the different stuff that's happening, all the stimulus that's rebooting and. You know, we've got some encouraging news. It's just a little bit smoke and mirrors, some of yeah, it. Yeah,
1: because there's so much cash out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So what big companies reported this week their earnings? Who were the companies that came out?
2: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm just waiting on Amazon to come out. My internet's a little little spotty in here. <laughs> Could be. I'm waiting on that to come through. But the big ones that came through were uh, Apple, Google, Facebook. Just, I mean, ridiculous profits and
1: is Facebook oh, here's still- my Amazon? Hold okay. On. Tell us the Amazon
2: first. $108 billion for the quarter from Amazon. That's pretty good. That is really, really good. Let's see what its stock is doing. Uh, oh, yep. It's looking good. $131 in the pre market trading up. So, wow. That's not a bad uh, lift on that one. So,
1: is Facebook
2: still doing well?
1: The oh, reason I ask you. Absolutely. Well, Amanda, a lot of people were telling me that they were losing so many people. I didn't know if that would affect their earnings
2: well i they are having a little difficulty in new users but i think they reported yesterday that they're still having 198 million daily users so i mean that's a that's a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> checking.
1: That. did you hear that verizon is going to try to shed some of their things like aol and a few other things
2: do people still have an AOL account? <laughs> or? I think we talked about My yesterday. dad has one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that these are not profitable product lines, so they're getting rid of them.
2: It's innovation. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is that um, you know, this just all of this pressure, all of this competition breeds innovation because you have to come out with new ideas, you have to beat your competitors and it's just a, a lot of stuff out there that's changing. And right now for earnings, this is the best earnings ever. I mean, buybacks are through the roof. Google announced a $50 billion buyback. Apple announced a $90 billion buyback. I didn't check to see if Amazon is doing one. But this is just from all of that overwhelming liquidity. It's heaven for corporations. And it's that equity utopia that I keep saying and the economy bouncing back. So like you said, the 64 GDP growth for the first quarter. It's probably going to continue through for the rest of the year because of all this stimulus and printing and just the general reopening of an economy that was shut down. So what's the justification to keep printing if everything is so great? It just makes fading this QE and stimulus nearly impossible. So everyone's asking, you know, how on earth do we keep this up? Because next year it's most certainly going to slow down.
1: Okay. When you say QE, you're talking about quantitative easing?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Fed purchasing all the bonds.
1: Okay. Um, several factors, just to delve into this a little deeper. If, I'm going to sort of rephrase this. If somebody comes to you, a client or a prospective client, and they say, you know, things are going so great, should I get out of the market or should investors stay put?
2: Well, everyone's situation is different, so there's no blanket advice. It's very hard to time the market, and I'm not a day trader, but I do try to manage the ebb and flow of profitability in individual stock positions. So just to, well, here to give you an example, UPS, United Parcel Service, they reported this week, and they had major, major earnings. In fact, they were so positive, it shot the stock up over 10% in just one day. So if you would have bought UPS just over a year ago, it was trading around $85, $88 in March of 2020, and then you sold it today at like $200 a share it is now, you would have doubled your money and you would have been selling it at a long-term capital gain instead of a short-term. So in my opinion, if you're looking short-term, then yeah, you could skim your profits off this week, next week. The market certainly did some of that midday, and stocks will likely digest their gains soon. 90% of the earnings will have all been out by the third week of May and you know even though June and July are historically decent months for the market, that second quarter result is likely to still be positive, but the few companies that will be able to sustain that growth are going to be very few and far between. So remember, we're in first quarter, you know, sales and earnings momentum and Moving forward, it's going to get a lot more narrow.
1: So companies still think their stocks can go higher if they're doing buybacks. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's one of the reasons that they'll do a buyback. So, I mean, companies like Apple and Google, they're they are playing the long game here. So especially considering how much cash they both hold. Apple announced yesterday that they had $204 billion in cash. And with profit margins of over 40 percent, it is way more advantageous of them to own themselves rather than sit in cash. So remember, it also helps them to less dilute themselves because less shares outstanding means that their profit per share can go up. That's what I talked about last week when we talked about Amazon versus Walmart versus Apple as the most valuable company in the world. And, you know, not to mention rates are low. They're super low, so that debt that they carry is inexpensive, and they can take advantage of that positive arbitrage back into their companies instead of paying down the debt, and that lets them leverage in a really profitable way so that they can keep expanding.
1: You had mentioned long-term and short-term capital gains on stock sales, and I've been hearing the Wall Street Journal had a story talking about what happens if it gets to 43.8%. Are investors a little nervous, worried about... If the president tries to push this agenda of higher capital gains, how that's going to affect their stocks if they cash out?
2: Well that, the 43%, um, that's that's kind of uh, only for people that are making over a million dollars a year, so it's not really something that the average investor needs to be concerned about too much. I'm not sure something like that would pass. And it's, it's really not jumping up a huge amount from what it currently is because, you know, buying quality stocks and holding them for a long time is definitely an investment strategy that can really pay off in the long run. But sometimes it does pay to sell a stock sooner, you know, regardless of what that tax consequent might be, because either the value has climbed so much and you don't expect it to stay that way for long. That's why the covered call options are a nice, um, you know, layer to add on top of your investing mix, or you just get a stock that's a dud and then it's consistently decreasing and you don't expect it to recover. So you might wanna sell that stock and harvest those losses or use them to offset your gains moving forward. So selling stocks can be a strategic move, but there's all those tax implications involved. So let me me break them down. So let's just say you sell a good stock. Like, okay, we made money, we have a, a profitable stock. So when you sell that, and it's a price that's higher than what you paid for it, you'll be subject to the capital gains. So that's what everyone's hearing. Oh, my God, capital gains. This is not across the board. So the, the amount of tax that you pay is actually going to hinge on how long you've held that stock before selling it. It's also going to hinge on what your marginal tax bracket is.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know that they took into consideration how long you'd held it.
2: Well, long term is one year plus one day, and then Hmm. short term is anything under that. But that gain that you're talking about, the capital gains tax that you pay on, is going to be subject to what that falls into for your AGI, your adjusted gross income, and what you're actually going to pay for the marginal tax bracket.
1: So are people going to have to find tax attorneys to figure this out?
2: No, it's, mm. it's it's really simple. <laughs> you, you, you're going to be able to help them. <laughs> well, I mean, they have to use their tax accountant. I'm not a CPA. Yeah, I just right. know enough about it. I pay enough in taxes that I'm very aware of how the tax code works. That's why I think it's such a strategic thing that when I sit down with clients, I want to I look at their income taxes. I want to know who their CPA is so that I can have an open relationship with that person to do what's best for the client overall moving forward. So the the key issue last week is that they wanted to raise long-term capital gain tax on high earners to 39.6. So in addition to those capital gains, they might be subject to that net investment income tax, which is that 3.8. So you add those two together, you get the 43.4, but that's on over a million dollars in income in income. So I heard you kind of talking about all these different things and there's a lot of different classifications to that. So you gotta be real specific. It, it, you don't wanna say like, oh, long-term gains are going up 43%, like, eh, not exactly.
1: Okay. Um, you used a term called cover call, I think a few moments ago, what is that?
2: So a covered call is an option strategy. Um, it's pretty involved. <laughs> so okay. if I just someone, didn't want it yeah. to go over the head of the listeners. Yeah, it's basically making a bet on the upside of a stock. If you think it's going to go higher and then what that bet is you want to place and how much you think it's going to go and then what period of time that you want to do it on. So there's different types of them. A covered call means you already own the assets. You already own the stock and you can write the option, the option on it because it's covered. You own it as opposed to like a naked covered call you didn't actually own. I know, right? It sounds dirty, but it's not.
1: (laughs) Along with the remarkably talented Amanda Hayes, who will be moving to new digs soon. Let's go back to uh, some of the topic material. We're talking about the Fed spoke last week, no change in interest rates, but what did you draw from what they said? You know, I mean, how do you feel about what they're saying?
2: I I don't have a lot of faith in them. (laughs) I think... uh, Jerome Powell is up for re-election here in 2022, so he wants to keep things smooth. And you know, right now the the topic that's on everyone's minds is tax. And I mean, you know, listen, like Washington's all about tax. That is, that is just what they want to do. And at least their citizens realize it, though. If you notice, they're the only state in the world that has a passive aggressive license plate. You seen it? it says no. taxation without representation. Oh, DC.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well. I hate to break it to him, but it was never meant to be a state.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's a bit passive aggressive, you know. You're <laughs> not going to see something like that, you know, in Ohio, like Ohio. Some sun would be nice.
1: <laughs> that's good. It's unlikely. That, that's nice. New Hampshire. <laughs> since, live... I,
2: since I live in Ohio, also, yeah. I can validate that. So, some sun would be
1: nice. <laughs> New Hampshire, live free or die.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, listeners should give us their best Florida license plate slogan.
1: That's a great sarcastic got... Florida license plate slogans. We got a bunch of them.
2: Yeah, now. send them in.
1: Yeah. We'll rate them. Do you, well, you went to college in Florida. You went to two places, right?
2: I went to UCF, and then I've gone to the American College of Financial Services for all of my licenses. And
1: Okay, but you don't have a UCF license plate or anything like that as an alumnus. I
2: don't. I've got your generic sunshine state. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, they're talking about more plates. That's another way to raise money. But well, anyway. listen,
2: it's taxes. I mean, when it comes to the Fed, you know, they've just been mostly saying the same thing that we've been talking about for months now. Like, I don't think anybody expected that they were going to lift rates yesterday, and virtually nobody even expects them to lift rates before the end of next year, possibly not even until 2023, so... Again, that's gonna ramp up stock buybacks um the markets were not really phased by Powell they weren't really phased by Biden speaking last night too and hold
1: on one second is it a seven-year term for Powell is that how long they get to stay in the Fed I think it's six six or seven that's a long time well, he's
2: yeah I, th- I know he 2022 is February of 2022 is when his term is up so okay he might take that Janet Yellen route though you know making all the speeches and then Come oh, back yeah. as treasuries. <laughs> Wait, no.
1: <laughs> no, that could happen. Anyway, about last night when the president spoke, what did you think? Um, it was expensive.
2: I, I don't think a lot of people were there. I mean, were they busy no. at home watching The Masked Singer? They put- <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I, I can't make it, Joe. I know it's important. I'm just, this is, have you seen the show, Joe? It's great. <laughs>
1: 65 people were in the audience because of COVID. not a lot. No. So it was kind of like a rallying cry. That was about it. I
2: mean, he was fist bumping and elbow bumping with the best of them. He seemed really alert. Um, you know, he was he was doing the best that he could. Uh, his tax proposals didn't really get a whole lot of major applause, though. I think the camera was really focused on Joe Manchin, who was just kind of, you know, playing Tetris or something or Sudoku or what is the, what are those games on the phone? Candy Crush. Yeah. <laughs> he was busy doing something else and. You know, Biden is asking for a lot. He is asking for free money, literally for everything, just subsidies forever. And I just don't think he's going to get a lot of these requests. And like I said, the market didn't even react. So I just don't think anyone's taking this stuff seriously. seriously.
1: Tim Scott said that only six for. I'm sorry?
2: He said jinx because you said seriously at the same time.
1: Oh. So we're
2: wearing the same color. Now we're finishing each other's sentences.
1: Yeah. What Uh does that tell you? (laughs) So. I lost my train of thought. I brazzled you now. You, you so. did.
2: <laughs> this is his third stimulus package, by Six the way. Six
1: percent of the infrastructure budget actually goes to infrastructure. Yeah. That's nuts.
2: Congressional standard pork. Yep. Standard congressional pork. It's is that a,
1: why you think nobody was taking it seriously? No, I just believe.
2: think that all of this printing is just absurd. And they're they're completely contradictory to everything that the Fed says versus what the president says. And... You know, there's there's a lot of things in the plan, the, what is it called, the American Families Plan, you've got the American Rescue Plan, the American Jobs Plan, and he, he talks a good game, and then some of the, you know, the interior of this is a little complicated, and I, I'm not sure most of it will get done. Um, you know, they're trying to do some free, tuition-free community college, some preschool, some paid leave programs for new parents. Um, which I can understand them, but it's a really, it's kind of difficult to blanket that onto, you know, all corporations or all businesses. His big thing was doing the tax increase from 37 to 39.6 and, um, you know, doubling that capital gains for wealthy investors. And another kind of thing that was interesting is that he was going to fuel more money into the IRS so that they could do 80 more billion. Audits. Yeah, to do more audits. So that'll be uh, Sonia will just be really thrilled with that. <laughs> um,
1: so. There's a huge issue. This is on your list for corporations is they can't find work. Are you hearing it? We're hearing it every day.
2: Yeah, I mean, the to kind of go back to the whole contradictory thing with the Fed, though, is that, you know, on one hand, the Fed says we're going to print until full employment is reached but then Biden says, we're going to give you benefits forever. So therefore, under that logic, unemployment won't even move. So how can they ever extract themselves from that plan? And it, it just kind of goes it goes against everything. That's why I said they have no credibility to me. Plus, there's so much lobbying going on at this rate. We'll have $32 trillion in debt next year with like one and a half GDP growth. It's kind of a joke. So yeah, corporations can't hire people. The damage was concentrated among low-income jobs, and there's, you know, nearly 8 million jobs that people are still begging for, but most business owners can't, you know, they can't hire anybody, so that labor shortage puts pressure on the hourly wage. I saw that a McDonald's was paying people $50 just to show up for a job interview, so... It's, that's just kind of crazy you know 91 percent of people said that they couldn't even find people to work and their problem is that the government is still paying people to stay home more than what they earned while they were working so if they're getting paid 600 or 700 dollars a week that's like equivalent to a 17 and a quarter an hour job so it just you know what are they gonna do they'll just go back and make an audacious demand and then quit and go back on getting unemployment so what i see is that a lot of business owners are trying to sell off and get out of their businesses by selling to venture capitalists or they're selling inside their organizations at these really high multiples 3 to 10 times ebitda and they're using it off of their bloated current net profits that are from all the ppp and money and just it's you know it's a bit of a conundrum here and i think 26% of small business owners have raised their prices just in the last month, just like homeowners are raising their prices trying to dump out.
1: Here's a question I always wanted to ask you. I know you're a numbers lady and you you look at return on investment and long-term, you're a long-term person. But when I hear more and more venture capital companies going to take on companies that are not their bailiwick, uh, like venture capital just taking over a broadcast company, I worry about what's going to happen to that company because they're not broadcasters, yet they own it and they operate it. And unless they trust the broadcasters to run the broadcast business, that broadcast company will probably fail. Aren't there a lot of uh, venture capital companies that are just taking over companies, but they have no experience in running them?
2: Oh, yeah. During COVID, when all the hospitals got squeezed and all the surgeries got shut down, I mean, most of the hospital plans, they contract their doctors out. And there was a huge venture capitalist company that came in and bought one of the largest private doctors networks and nearly bankrupted the company when COVID happened because they just they weren't getting that profit from all of the surgeries that were happening. So that that happens a lot of times that. And and usually those venture capitalists, they're coming in and they're trying to absorb it and then sell it off to like a sovereign wealth fund. So they're just trying to be the middleman that gets the most squeeze out of it before they, you know, pass it on to the next buck.
1: Okay. You travel a lot. What are the airports like? A little bit. (laughs) What are the airports like?
2: Oh my gosh, they are packed, especially this past weekend. I mean, you know, maybe it's just because after a year of social distancing, the shock of big groups is, is a bit much, but... I don't know if it's too much different, but it seems very, very, very different and very packed, especially as of late. So plane tickets are creeping back up and cost and, you know, rental cars are expensive. I read that there was a car down at Hawaii, $722 a day. Yeah. For a Toyota Corolla. I told people yesterday,
1: <laughs> if you're going to be going on a vacation, better book the car before you book the flight. It may might- be
2: more than the flight. Yeah. A hundred percent. But, you know, two weeks ago, they, they clocked it that more than a million people per day were flying commercial airlines for at least 30 days in a row. So Delta had announced that May 1st, they will go back to a hundred percent capacity. So. I flew Delta last two weekends ago. I flew Delta and they were very strict with their policies, wiping everything down, you know, spacing out the middle seat. Spirit Southwest, not so much. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody kind of get on the plane. So,
1: Are the airlines having difficulty hiring people or are they mostly just bringing back the staff that they put on furlough?
2: They're, they're definitely bringing back a lot of pilots, but I have read that they are having pilot shortages. Yeah. So like the flight I was on this past week, um, we were about to take off just before they went to shut the gate. The pilots were like, oh, we got to go to another flight. We're like, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, to get off the plane?
2: The pilots got off the plane and left and we were a packed flight. Everybody just waiting. And then all of a sudden they came back 15 minutes later, I guess that other flight wasn't as important as this one. So they came back and, oh, man, and then we took ticked. off. So it was it was really, really interesting. But I've seen a greater push from the airlines to try to diversify their pilots to have more women. And you know, keep in mind that they're upgrading all these planes too. So not so many Boeings, they're kind of moving to Airbus. The planes are a lot more highly technical, a little bit more room. So all of these pilots have to do new training, new simulators, and they don't necessarily get pay increases to do that. So it's it's been really...
1: Uh, a good friend of mine works for American Airlines, and um, they had them on furlough, and then they had them on limited flights. And and they have flown over a billion people, and he told me that the report that came out from management was they only had 52 cases of covid With a billion people, they flew. 52 cases.
2: Seems like China reporting style. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where they got their numbers from or their spreadsheets. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Do you think from a a general perspective, as we look at business, that this will be a healthy vacation summer or not?
2: Oh, I think people are just ready to to get out and go do stuff. I mean, it's... America is very interesting with a lot of the mindset and the ideologies that are instilled in us because of our culture in comparison to other places because in America there's just this real big push that you you know have to be a business owner and in other countries I mean they thrive to be an employee because you know now their governments have kind of created that to be pillars of stability so that being an employee is a comfort that they can depend on but you know, not everybody can be an entrepreneur. It's pretty stressful. And I was looking at uh, Chick-fil-A. Did you know that Chick-fil-A, they don't actually sell franchises, they sell jobs, essentially. And so you're an operator of the store that shares in the profit. And it's got a pretty low barrier of entry. You've got to pass a ridiculous amount of phases and processes to get this operational job. Really? And if at any point during the contract, if you break any of those rules or codes of conduct, they can just fire you and give you back your initial deposit, which I think is only like 10 grand.
1: No kidding, this is so unlike Subway, McDonald's, any of those where you you are a franchisee. right? And it's like you're on your own. If they're still under their thumb, Maybe that's
2: why they've been so successful, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, you notice you don't hear about too many of them failing. No, you just
2: hear how delicious the chicken is. (laughs) You
1: know, one thing before you go, we haven't really talked about much is uh, transportation and transportation stocks. Do people still buy them? Can they come to you and say, I'm really into transportation. Can you put me into something that has moderate growth?
2: You mean like railroads and planes and cars? I mean, of course, there's all types of different modes of transportation. Of course, if you want electric vehicles, there's a ton of them out there. You know, you don't just have to pick a Tesla. And there's ETFs that are exchange traded funds that are like a package of stocks that trade Daily on the market, and then you could do index funds that mirror different industrials. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily think airlines are too hot. Maybe not even cruise lines right now. (laughs) They keep getting pushed back further and further by CDC.
1: See, I wouldn't go for airline stock. Lousy unions. It's a mess, and it can affect your stock price, right? If they have a labor problem.
2: Yeah, I mean, Delta certainly has had a. a myriad of problems, especially when they filed bankruptcy and everyone lost their pensions and GM too. And then they just resurrected as a new stock again. So um, it just depends on what you want exposure to. So airlines were certainly a great grab back in March of 2020. You could have grabbed Delta, for example. I think it was trading at like $19 a share and it. I don't, I can't, Maybe it might have hit in the forties, the high forties, just not too long ago. So okay. but you got a lot of speculation going on as far as growth in different sectors. So you just gotta make sure that you're investing according to your time horizon, your risk tolerance.
1: Okay. All is, the basics. Is this also affecting the auto industry because of the chip problem I was oh, talking yeah. to that I'm hearing? We talked about the rental car situation, but the auto industry has been greatly affected. Does that affect stock price?
2: Sure, yeah. Oh. Ford's had a real struggle. I think they're trying to move a lot of plants back into North America. Um, they're definitely realizing that these supply constraints are, are very problematic for when they want production and they can't do it. So everything is really being um, is being hurt by the supply um you know, bottlenecks. So it should take a few months or so for it to hopefully catch up. That's why the Fed keeps saying this is transitory inflation, but, you know, we'll see how things unfold here in the next few months. I think we've got a reckoning coming. I just don't know when.
1: Amanda K. Hayes with AKH Financial on Clyde Morris in Port Orange. Call 386 846 0658. Excellent work. Thank you so much.
2: I'm not going to see you next week, but I'll be back yeah. the following week.
1: Yeah, I will pine away, and good luck with all of that. Thank you. you, you Exciting
2: news when I come back.
1: Yeah, very (laughs) good.